Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Firdas Massal. So Firdas is an exercise physiologist with a background in football. He started his career with a PhD at Liverpool John Moores University where he worked directly with Liverpool Football Club. He then moved on to Aspire Academy and his last role in football was with Lion City Sailors in Singapore. So who better today to discuss how football teams use data to improve their athletes? So without further ado, it's time to welcome Firas onto the show. So Firas, welcome to the Science Support Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Matt, for having me. Thank you very much for joining us. Can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Uh, okay, uh, so my name is Firdaus Masa. Uh, I'm Malaysian. Uh, so I spent around seven years in the UK. Uh, doing my postgraduate study uh, in master's and also still pursuing my PhD at Liverpool John Moss University. Um, also, when my time at UK, uh, I spent my time also giving the sports science support for the team in the league, uh, the championship league and also the family. Uh, and after that, I spent two years at Spire Academy in Doha as a football physiologist. And my last role in football is with uh, Lion City Sellers Football Club in Singapore uh, for the past uh, 15 months. Uh, yeah, that's a short shot about, about me. Perfect, perfect. So in terms of physiology, obviously that's quite a broad topic, right? So um, mm. when you're employed as a physiologist in a football team, what, what does your role involve? Uh, okay, so, so football physiologist is uh, the role for, for someone who is going to take the responsibility of measuring the athlete performance uh, through the test where we choose or design the test. And also uh, we monitor the training load. Uh, what we collect the, the numbers, the data about the player readiness, uh, tracking athlete performance throughout the season uh, from, from the equipment that you have uh, on, on your uh, training ground. Uh, and most important thing is to translate all these numbers and data uh, to the coaches, uh, communicate to the coaches and technical staff uh, to guide them and also to support the coaching process. So, so that's the, more of the role of the physiologist in a football club. So there's obviously uh, a lot of data analysis, a lot of bringing lots of different data together and potentially they're making some reports yeah. for, the, for the head coaches. Um, mm-hmm. when, we're, when we're talking physiology, what do you think are the, the factors that then limit performance? So the stuff that you need to work on, obviously, there's, there's loads of different things, that, loads of different technology that you can use. But what do you think limits footballing performance from a physiological standpoint? Uh, if, if we can see, uh, and, and we know that the football is a dynamic uh, sport, which is it involves all the sprinting, running at different uh, speed, jumping, sliding, all this uh, activity. Uh, when we talk about physiological limitation for, for, for the footballers, it can be as simple as uh, uh, the fitness level, the general terms of fitness level, aerobic and aerobic fitness. Uh, because if you look at the trend uh, on the physical demand uh, in the football for the past 10 years, you can see an increase in terms of high-intensity running, the sprinting distance, sprinting effort. Uh, high intensity effort, acceleration, deceleration. So uh, all all this needs to be addressed uh, by the testing or done by the, by the physiologists. Uh, at least we know where's the baseline of the place where it started. That that's why we do all the testing during the preseason to know where to start and 
or the strategy, how they can improve. Uh, and also another you know, the physiological limitation for the uh, football is, I can say about when we're competing in different part of the world with a different climate and weather condition, that that's, that's another limitation. Uh, quite a few teams from Europe traveling to Southeast Asia uh, during this season preseason, uh, which they need to adapt with the humidity, um, the temperature, and which here we only have summer. You don't have four seasons. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. uh, the, the temperature is 34 to 36 degrees Celsius with the humidity. Uh, I, I believe when I was in UK, when you reach 34 degrees Celsius, you already have the water break. Here, <laughs> they play 34 degrees Celsius, no water break. They play 90 minutes, yeah. 45. You know? so, so that's that's another thing uh, that we need to uh, draw the strategy in terms of the adaptation. Um, how uh, the players can can adapt physiologically. I think that's a, a really interesting one. So when you when you get into the nitty gritty of it, like what what are the KPIs that you want to look for when you're testing the footballers? So like let's say um, you you go into a club and you're like, okay, we need to make sure that our players are as fit as possible. What is the key data that you would use to uh, enhance performance? Uh, the, it can can be. Uh, if we talk about the data that we we look at, uh, we focused on, it can be the data that we collect the, the pre-training, mm-hmm. uh, during training, and also the the post-training, all right, to get the whole picture of of the player performance. Uh, for example, of pre-training, we have um, like a runner score to get the player readiness to know whether the player ready or not whether they got a soreness, pain, or, or anything. And during the, the training, we have the GPS uh, monitoring system. I think most of the football club use this GPS data at the moment, although there's uh, some uh, argument in terms of GPS, we're limiting the capability of the coach to push the players to the limit or not. Um, people say like GPS data will be overprotective about uh, the players. So, but, but for me, it's all about the strategy how you use the GPS data. Uh, and, and at the moment now, I, I think most of the uh, GPS provider, they have the live monitoring on which you can get everything before your eyes. Uh, you don't have to wait until two hours after the, the training to get all the data, you know? Um, and also post-training post is uh, as simple as session RP uh, to get the feedback from the players about the, about the training intensity. Uh, and also, we're not... Uh, uh, forget about the players with the return to training or return to play on which you need to also collect the data during the test for, for them uh, and, and back to your question with what was the KPI uh, the KPI for the football, uh, professional football players uh, need to be individualized they, they need to be uh, if we talk about the threshold term, it's a relative threshold for everyone you know so different players got different capabilities, different qualities. So as we, as far and as soon as we know where's the st- starting baseline for for the sprinting, for example, or acceleration, we know that that's where we need to work from, and how we can improve. So there's no one number that we need to hit for each place, uh, or absolute threshold. Is uh, for me personally, I will go for the uh, relative threshold. So obviously then that becomes individualized per individual player. 
But do you then look at different KPIs per player? So, for example, let's say you say high-speed running distance is then individualized um, for, elk, for, for every single person. But would you then say, oh, for some players, that's maybe not so important. We're going to look at a different KPI. And how does that vary then per, per person or per position? Okay, that, that's a good question. Because, because in, in football, we have uh, uh, more or less in, in the week, you have more or less the same day type. Day type means match day minus four, minus three, minus two, and minus one, and match day. So when, when you have the, the set of the data, there's a big data from, from, and also the historical data from, from previous season or from the same season, you know more or less from the analysis, you know the typical load for that player for that specific day. All right? that, that's, why, that, that's where I come from. So, so this player on the minus three is on the analysis. This is the, his typical load during this minus three. So that's where if we want to push them, it's based on the training strategy that we already draw. For example, this week we want to overload the players right? based on his typical load then we can increase that 5%, for example, right? So this is the threshold that we want to hit for today. Again, from the live monitoring, from the GPS, for example, then, then you can hit it. So, so the, the KPI is uh, based on the key metrics that you want to see, uh, obviously, as all the high-intensity uh, activity, uh, high-intensity running, number of spring, distance spring, um, and also the volume. Okay, uh, the volumes in terms of the uh, total distance on which now total distance is not the, the main indicator for, for the performance. Yeah, because you could, uh, theoretically, you could walk for a really long time, right? And it wouldn't be very yeah. tiring. So I can imagine yeah, if you say you, you do, because uh, the, the, the statistics come up live now on TV, right? You're like, oh, you did 10 kilometers. And you're like, well, what does that mean? So I think it's, yeah, it's interesting yeah, yeah. to hear that you, you put more, um, place more importance on the the intensity metrics as opposed to the um, the volume metrics. Yeah, yeah. Um, even even you need to, to contextualize the the, the high intensity data uh, as well, Matt. Because uh, when we talk about sprinting, is it a sprint during the match or is sprinting when they celebrate their goal? There's two different. <laughs> moments, you know? if, that, if that's the fastest sprint of the day, then that's a big yeah. problem. They scored, they scored, right? So that's cool. But yeah, yeah, if, that's, yeah. if that's the fastest sprint, then uh, there might be some issues. Yeah. Um, so when when you have all this data, right? So you col- you've collected that from the GPS, from the the questionnaires, everything that you you want to collect. You put that obviously into some kind of report. How do you then use that to to improve the players? Okay, when you talk about the report itself, uh, uh, I'm, I'm I'm currently using Power BI uh, to visualize all the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also play with the colors as well, just make sure that uh, when I send all this visualization to the coaches, uh, they can interpret based on the colors. So, so again, there's an education process for the coaches and technical staff, what the colors means, uh, when you hit the target, what colors should be on the bar or on, on any visualization that, that I provide to them. And, and in terms of how to improve uh, the plays, uh, 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 we use all this and we, we, we connect all the technical stuff like the medical stuff, for example. So from the wellness score, for example, so uh, when they, they gave the numbers, the first uh, group that will get this number is the medical staff to, to take care of all the players that give the, the red flag number. Okay? Uh, and also when, when the players are ready, 
or if we have the players are not ready for the training, that's where we will uh, communicate to the coach before the training, just to make sure that the coach know how many players they have during the session, whether they need to little bit change number of the players for the certain players, or uh, for the players that uh, return to training or return to play uh, process, maybe they just uh, join half of the session. Um, yeah, the, this is type of, of the uh, approach that we use, just make sure that we use the data to inform uh, the coaches and the help with the process of the training. I think that's a, a really interesting insight into to the use of the data as opposed to just that, oh, we collect data and therefore we're doing good sports science. Like the, yeah, the, yeah. the key is then to actually translate that with the coaches and the medical staff to make sure that that comes together and decisions are made as opposed to um, what would be easy is to, to just say, oh, well, we collected the data. Here's your report. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's good to hear that, that gets communicated and then there's actions taken as well. Um, mm-hmm. When, when we want to bring that into the, the real world, can you give us a, a case study as to how you've done that before to, to improve a, a player or a team's performance? So from the from that data collection all the way through to the, the kind of advice you give a coach? Yeah, I, I think I have uh, one great example on which uh, after this season we play in City Sales. We play in Asian Champions League in Buriram in Thailand. Uh, which all the team in the group will stay in Buriram. We play like a group match over there. We play six matches in total. Um, and we only have 48 hours rest between matches. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and plus we play during Ramadan. So <laughs> who, 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 who decided that? <laughs> so so only, for, only for team from Singapore and Malaysia who have this, this issue on which the majority of the players are uh, Muslim. Okay. So most of the training, so, so the training time is during fasting, uh, fasting state, and which we train at, uh, we finish training uh, during the breakfast. Mm-hmm. So when there's uh, call for prayer, that's that's the whistle to stop. Yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. And also some of the matches we play first twenty to twenty five minutes uh, during fasting state, right? Uh, and. Uh, Using the historical physical data from the GPS, the mesh data, the training data, like, like I mentioned earlier, uh, so you know where's the typical load of the players during the training. Plus now during uh, during that time, uh, there's a Ramadan month, a fasting month, uh, we have to plus the fatigue monitoring uh, in daily basis, right? To look at the neuromuscular fatigue of the players in, in the daily basis. Um, and me with the head of performance, Mr. Mario, at the time, uh, we draw the recovery strategy, um, how we be going to monitor the load, the training load, uh, because we have some players that play the game, and, and obviously the player on the bench or if not in the list will train on the plus one, Mr. Plus one. So what type of training that they have to do, uh, what's the load, uh, all of this needs to be Design based on the data. So, so the data-driven culture in the club uh, was there. Like uh, this time, to be honest, it takes about three to four months when I arrived to to make sure that everyone uh, get a buy-in from the coach and also the players about about the data. You know, uh, yeah, I think that's that's the great case study because during this competition, we we have a very good um, uh, campaign on which uh, we did Korean 
side with the Chinese uh, side, and uh, we almost qualified for the next round on, on that time. So, but for the small club from Singapore to, to be able to beat the, the big club from from Korea, I think, I think that's, that's a big campaign for us. Absolutely excellent, man. That's really interesting. And then before before you leave, I want to ask a, a difficult question, but a, like a fun question as well. So, if you had all of the money in the world, like unlimited funding, what kind of equipment would you buy as a sport physiologist? So uh, you can you can buy anything you want in the world, and you have all of the people in the world to to man those stations as such. What are you going to buy, and how is that going to improve your players? Oh, that's quite a tricky, tricky question, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was the goal as well, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. Um, again, this is because I'm in, in football. Um, the key is the time to do the all this testing or to monitor. This time is is the key. Uh, so, so for me, if uh, if I have time to uh, to test my player regularly. Uh, the equipment that, that I think is useful for me is like a gas analysis for the VHMX, uh, DEXA scan, and it's for, for, for uh, and if I have all the people, as you said, all the manpower, I would like to do the left head threshold test, uh, and do all the monitoring device, like, uh, now it's a popular one, like a Nordboard, the post platform, because all this equipment will allow us to, uh, to monitor the, the, the player progression, the player performance, the, the fatigue, uh, and, and can help in terms of uh, improving the performance of the individual and also the team level. You know? But again, it's about the time, if you have time. In, in, in the first team environment football, that's, that's a tricky part because, uh, of course, you have uh, the game today, tomorrow is plus one. The, the player that plays go for the recovery, uh, the players didn't play, you go for the training, then you have the off day, for example, on plus two. Then, what, you want to test, do the testing on the minus three? That is impossible because <laughs> the coach will not allow that. So, so like I said again, the, the time is the key. Yeah, absolutely excellent, mate. So, Fidas, massive thanks for your time and effort today. It's been a pleasure talking. Where can people find out some more about you? Where can they, they find you on, uh, on social media, for example? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Fidos uh, Massa, uh, just just my name, and also on my Instagram, Fidos Massa. Perfect. Thank you very much, buddy. It's been a pleasure talking, and I look forward to speaking again soon. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Bye. And that's it once again. A massive thanks to Fidos for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of the Science of Sport Coach Academy. Now, Coach Academy is an overgrown library of online sports science courses which are broken down into bite-sized chunks. That means you can fit them in and around your busy coaching schedule. On top of that, every time you complete a course, you'll also receive a certificate of completion to prove your ongoing education. So if you're interested in finding out more great sports science information, you can get yourself completely for free for the next seven days into the Science Support Coach Academy using the link in the show notes. So hit that link in just a few seconds time. And if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you could recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.